Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Broadcasting to Europe, Africa, and the Middle East. This is Worldwide Christian Radio. WWCR. Nashville, Tennessee, USA. This is true news, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help us God. I'm Rick Wiles. Today is Friday, October 20, 2023. The Israeli military is poised to begin a massive ground invasion of Gaza, but the Israeli Air Force has already been pounding Gaza civilian residential areas, churches, and hospitals in preparation for the land invasion yesterday israel bombed an ancient greek orthodox church today it demolished 25 residential apartment buildings in gaza city meanwhile dmitry medvedev issued another warning about nuclear war doc burkhardt and i are here to give you the most comprehensive report on world war three let's start with this story that just just was published minutes ago by the Telegraph in London. Israel gives 30-minute warning before raising entire neighborhood. Doc, this is... Uh, I, I'm out... I, I don't have words for what's happening right now. This is... I'll, I'll report here. This is the little bit that we know. This just came out. Israel leveled a northern Gaza district on Friday, giving families a half-hour warning to escape. In Sara, a northern Gaza town, residents said the entire district of some 25 apartment buildings was razed to the ground. They received Israeli warning messages on their mobile phones. At breakfast... Followed 10 minutes later by a small drone strike that hammered the message home. After another 20 minutes, F-16 warplanes brought the buildings down in huge explosions and clouds of dust. Doc, Netanyahu is a madman. He's a lunatic. He is the modern Herod the Great. He's out of control, and the United States has given him total permission to do whatever he wants to do. You're right. They, they've just given him carte blanche, and evangelicals here in the U.S. would say that uh, the Israelis gave them a compassionate warning. 30 minutes. Imagine you're eating breakfast, you're feeding your children, and you're told in 30 minutes this building you're living in is going to come down. You're going to lose everything you have. Your furniture, your clothing, the babies. 
the diapers, everything. You're going to lose it all in 30 minutes. Right. You have 30 minutes to get out of the building and run. Not just get out of the building. You've got to get away from 25 apartment buildings. Right, crumbling around you, exploding around you. With children. Yes. Elderly people, crippled people. The Israeli Zionists are lunatics. They're absolute demon-possessed lunatics right now. They've got a bloodlust that can't be satisfied. Yesterday, they bombed the oldest Christian church in Gaza. Yes. And they admitted today that they did it. They're, nobody's going to say anything about it. No, they're reviewing the situation. Yeah, they're reviewing, like the, like the hospital that they bombed the day before. They got away with all of them. Speaking about the, uh, the church, I'm going to show you an article that was published before the church got bombed. Right. Earlier this week. Yes. This is a recent article published by Al Jazeera. On October 16th, today's the 20th. War knows no religion. Gaza's oldest church shelters Muslims and Christians. And in this story by Al Jazeera, it talks about one family in particular and their experience in seeking shelter in this particular church. When an Israeli air raid destroyed Walaa Sobey's house and much of her neighborhood, the Palestinian Muslims sought shelter in Gaza's oldest church. A Muslim seeking shelter in a Christian church. Think about that. Yes, but the church opened its doors and said, come in. Yes. At the Church of St. Porphyrius, Porphyrius, she found not just sanctuary, but a feeling of belonging to one family, united by both the terror bombs exploding around them, and a hope that they could survive Israel's attacks. Well, certainly, Israel wouldn't bomb a church. You would think. The Zionists would do it. Yes. Because they plan to wipe out Christianity in Gaza. There won't be one church standing, Doc. The Muslims didn't tear down the churches. This church has been there. I'm trying to remember when the first church was built. I want to say like the 600s. It's been there a long, long time. Think of what it has survived. But it can't survive Zionism. That's right. Because it's the beast. Who can make war with the beast? Well, the article goes on to say, as I'm uh, telling the story of uh, Miss Sobey, she telephoned to other relatives in North Gaza and asked them to make their way to the church, too. So, you know, she's inviting her relatives to seek shelter here as well. So, Sobey and her family are among hundreds of Palestinians across different faiths who have found safety, at least for now, at the church. And remember, this was Tuesday of this week. We're here living the day, not sure if we can make it to the night. But what eases our pain is the humble and warm spirit of everyone around, Sabay said. So the Christians were kind to the Muslims who came to the church yes. saying, can we hide here? Can we sleep here? They, they bombed our homes. Can we sleep in the church? And they found a welcoming spirit of kindness. Yes. But what did the Israelis do? We're going to find out here in just a moment. She described receiving enormous support from the priests, and so far the church has escaped Israeli missiles. Well, that was Tuesday. The Israeli military has bombed many places of sanctuary, said Father Elias, a priest at St. Porphyrius, adding that he was not sure that Israel won't bomb 
the church, even though it provides shelter for hundreds of civilians. Well, he was... Let's fast forward to today. That was Tuesday, but here, this was yesterday. This happened yesterday. That photo there is the church. It's part of the church. It's not the entire church, but that is part of the church. Israel bombed it, and they used American-made F-16s to bomb the church. To let that sink in. So, America, all you um, flag-waving patriots that are so proud of, of standing with Israel, that's what you did. You bombed a church. Now you got God involved in this story. You bombed his church. Jesus Christ is now involved in this controversy now. You bombed his church. And there were children in the church. And you bombed his house in the name of Zionism. Right. In a building where families were seeking shelter from the, from the war. So this is a Newsweek today. Gaza Greek Orthodox Church blast what we know. So during a press briefing on Friday morning, Israel Defense Forces spokesperson Lieutenant Richard Hecht told Newsweek that the Israeli military was reviewing the incident, though added it was very aware of some damage to the church. Uh, let's put that still back up there and see yeah, what there's some, some damage. damage looks like there. Okay, Hicks said the IDF was planning to release visual confirmation of what happened and what we were targeting, suggesting the information would be released shortly and that the Israeli military was working hard to provide clarity. Half the quote here is in quotes, Rick. Uh, the IDF spokesperson's unit later told Newsweek in a statement that it was responsible for damage to the church Listen to that. That it was responsible for damage to the church, but that it can unequivocally state that the church was not the target of the strike. So did an Israeli missile go awry like they said the Palestinian, the the Hamas Hamas missile? What's their explanation here? Or it grew, the missile grew a mind of its own and targeted the church. No, they targeted the church. Of course they did. So, last night, IDF fighter jets targeted the command and control center belonging to a Hamas terrorist involved in the launching of rockets and mortars toward Israel, the unit said. The command and control center was used to carry out attacks against Israel and contained infrastructure belonging to the Hamas terrorist organization, it said. As a result of the IDF strike, a wall of the church in the area of the center was damaged. We are aware of reports of casualties. The incident is under review. Let's put the still up once again, and let's see what one wall looks like. Do you think there are any casualties in that rubble? Only God knows how many Christians and Muslims are buried beneath the rubble of that church. This is Zionism at its best. Yes, this is what they really That is Zionism well. right there. The destruction of Christian churches in Palestine. By the time the wimpy world leaders get enough courage to say to Israel, you, you might want to slow down on bombing churches and hospitals. This doesn't look good. By the time they get around to saying something that wimpy, there won't be a hospital or church standing in Gaza. Because Netanyahu is going to destroy all of Gaza. Yes. And he's getting away with it. Nobody is challenging him. He's Herod the Great. Doc, it's not the first time a Herod 
Herod was a Jew. It's not the first time a Herod has gone on a mass slaughtering campaign in Palestine. Yes, that's true. We read about it in the Bible. And also here in the Bible was big into building programs. He would raise entire neighborhoods to build Just to start another building. Yeah, so it, it follows right in the pattern. Well, let's take a look at uh, the report on the destruction of the church. This is the Episcopal News Service. And uh, what you're seeing on the screen, those of you who are listening on radio, is, is uh, a press conference of Jerusalem. Christian leaders. Yes, and this uh, uh, press conference was several days ago. It was in relation to the Gaza hospital. Yes, the hospital. Yes. So the headline is, Deadly Blast at Anglican Hospital in Gaza was Crime Against Humanity. So it says Anglican Hospital. Uh, the Baptists originally built the hospital. The Anglicans were managing it. Yes. Um, and everybody knew it as the Baptist Hospital because it had been yes. that name for, for, decades. for decades. So this press conference is not about the church that was bombed yesterday. This is about the hospital that was bombed a couple days earlier. Right. And these are the Christian leaders of Jerusalem uniting together to denounce the Israeli war crime of bombing a hospital and killing 500 people. So we have information about this press conference. So Anglican Archbishop Hossam Naum decried the blast that reportedly killed hundreds at Al-Alay Arab Hospital in Gaza as a crime against humanity. And he called for warring parties on both sides of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict to bring an end to the violence plaguing the Holy Land. Naum, who leads the Anglican province that includes the Episcopal Diocese of Jerusalem, said many Palestinians had come to the Anglican-run hospital seeking a safe haven from the hostilities around them. Groups were gathered October 17th in the courtyard singing songs, calling for peace, he said. Soon after, the courtyard was decimated by an apparent rocket blast. And uh, the National Catholic Register also uh, weighed in with an article as well. Uh, Patriarchs and heads of churches in Jerusalem hold press conference after the Gaza hospital explosion. And uh, so we actually have uh, the statement that they put out. We'll get to that here in just a moment. On the evening of Tuesday, October 17th, the day Christian communities in the Holy Land had dedicated to prayer and fasting for peace, an explosion went off at the Anglican Hospital in Gaza, killing hundreds of civilians. The bombing sent a shockwave through communities who had prayed throughout the day and ignited anger throughout the Middle East and across the world. Approximately 500 people lost their lives in the explosion, according to the Palestinian Ministry of Health. As a hospital, the location was supposed to be protected by international law, and hundreds of people had found refuge there over the past week. And so uh, we have the uh, Jerusalem church leaders. So uh, when we think of the church leaders in Jerusalem, we think maybe there's uh, just several. But there are a number of denominations that operate in and around uh, the city of Jerusalem. And you're seeing just a, uh, just a few of the leaders there. It includes the patriarchs and heads of the churches in Jerusalem. Uh, uh, some of the uh, names... Abraham Azar, Bishop of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Jordan in the Holy Land. Oh, we met him. Oh, you did? No, Doc, we met him. Oh, yes, Abraham Azar. That's right. We met him in Bethlehem at Christ at the checkpoint. Yes. He's a very good man. So he's there. Uh, We also see uh, Father uh, Francesco Patton. He's a custodian of the Holy Land. Uh, 
Theophilus III, Greek Orthodox Patriarch there. Of course, Hassan Nuam, a Bishop of the Episcopal Diocese. Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizabelli, Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem. He's the one that offered himself in exchange for the, the uh, hostages. Jewish hostages. Mm-hmm. Uh, His Excellency Moore Anthemos Jack Yacoub. He's the Syriac Orthodox Archbishop of Jerusalem. And so, and that's just a few of the names there. But they all came out in this press conference making very clear that they want this conflict to end. People are dying. And Christian churches, Christian institutions now are being targeted in this process. And uh, they released a statement, Doc. Uh, The patriarchs and heads of the Jerusalem uh, churches, and uh, this is uh, number 23. We have a, we can put an image up on the screen. This is the actual um, statement signed by all of the religious, Christian religious leaders of the Holy Land. And it says, we, the patriarchs and heads of churches in Jerusalem, join together in profound solidarity with the Episcopal Diocese of Jerusalem as we bear witness to the criminal attack. And notice what the wording they use there. That unfolded within the precincts of the Al-Ali Anglican Episcopal Hospital in Gaza. This heart-wrenching crime occurred on a day when the Christian community had convened in earnest prayer, beseeching the heavens for peace, reconciliation, and the cessation of war on Gaza. Drawing inspiration from the enduring human spirit in the face of overwhelming adversity, we recall the verse from Psalm 3418, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And this spirit is embodied in the face of the horrifying shattering of a sanctuary of compassion and healing in Gaza, culminating in the tragic loss of hundreds of innocent lives. They went on in the letter here to express their unity uh, against this crime. And notice they keep using that word crime. It is a crime. It's a war so, crime. It's a crime against humanity. Netanyahu ought to be, ought to be taken to the Hague and locked up forever. Yes, that we unequivocally declare this atrocity an egregious crime, one demanding the severe censure and international accountability. Doc, I, I did not know until late yesterday when I read this statement that Christians were in the parking lot singing songs of peace and yes. praying for peace because the Israelis release photographs of the parking lot. Right, making a big deal. We didn't hit the hospital. We hit the parking lot. But I didn't know until late yesterday that the parking lot was filled with people praying to God for peace. So did they hit the parking lot on purpose and say, you want peace? We'll give you peace. We'll put you out of commission forever. Is that what they did? Are they that cruel and and demonic and mocking that they would they would bomb people praying for peace because they said they're listening to all the conversations right so did they hear people praying to Jesus Christ for peace because that's who was praying in the parking lot and if that's true doc then god knows their mocking spirit and to me that's an even, that would be an even bigger story than hitting the hospital itself yes that they deliberately target, targeted the parking, the parking lot because people were praying to Jesus Christ for peace. Netanyahu is a demoniac. 
So all you talking heads out there that you're saying, well, they hit the parking lot, they hit the parking lot, they hit the parking lot. They hit a bunch of Christians yes. that were singing and praying I in re- the parking lot, Doc, I read if, to- if your story is true. I read today about a, uh, a medical doctor, I believe in California, he was fired yesterday for tweeting that Netanyahu was a demoniac and committing genocide. He was fired from his hospital job in California. If you say, oh, so now, if you now say that mis- Netanyahu is genocidal and, and a demoniac and wiping out an entire race of people, you will be fired from your job in the United States. So the same people who are selling us the COVID uh, nonsense and the Ukraine nonsense are now selling us the Israeli yes. nonsense yes. saying, you can't talk about it. We'll deplatform you. We'll make you lose your job. We'll take away your kids. And what did we say yesterday? How do you know when a big lie is being told? When you can't speak truth about a particular topic, you know where the lie is at. And so the lie right now is that Israel is fighting for peace. That's the big lie. They're fighting for peace. A, a piece of Gaza, that's what they're fighting at. And so, um, Now, one of the stories, we didn't get an opportunity to bring this out yesterday, but in that press conference that the uh, Jerusalem church leaders uh, had, they mentioned that the churches in Jerusalem had been given warning about an impending strike in Gaza on the hospital. The IDF warned the churches... Three consecutive days were going to blow up the hospital. Doc, that's enough. Netanyahu should be in prison right now. So, either the, either Israel's lying or these church leaders are lying. I, I'm I'm betting Israel's lying. I wonder uh, what John Hagee would say. Who would he say is lying? Oh, he, who would who would Robert Jeffries say is lying? Jeffries and Hagee. And all of the Christian Zionists in America absolutely endorse Netanyahu slaughtering anybody that he wants to kill. Yes. You'll never hear a criticism of Benjamin Netanyahu from any of that crowd. Doc, I can no longer accept these people as Christians. I've tried my best to give them enough grace to say, okay, we are separated by views. I can't accept them anymore as Christian brothers. I cannot fellowship with them. I can't recognize them as Christians. They are out of the faith. Well, they had written you off a long time ago. Why know that? (laughs) Well, let's see on Judgment Day. Yes. Well, here's a clip from the uh, press conference, and this is the uh, leader of the uh, Episcopal Diocese uh, pointing out that the uh, Israelis had given warning about the hospital. Watch this. I want to start by, do you blame anybody for this attack on the hospital to start with? And um, we also heard uh, Reverend Silo on BBC. Do you, do you confirm what he was saying there, that the hospital did receive warnings from the Israelis to evacuate the hospital? Yes, I think that the, the facts on the ground that you know we we have um, not only a lot of hospitals that received their warning for evacuation. You know, like all the people from North Gaza, all at least 15 hospitals received the warning, including the Arab Ali Hospital that received the warning to evacuate the hospital. Uh, and um, 
uh, we we have uh, actually, as as from an ethical point of view, like I'm sure that you know different hospitals uh, took took a stand, you know, like in order to continue because how they can leave the hospital with, with everything that's happening. Uh, but we have the moral uh, uh, obligation to notify everybody who's been in the hospital, whether they are civilians or our staff, that we have received a warning uh, to evacuate the hospital. So that's that is the fact. Yes. So, the Israelis warned 15 hospitals to evacuate. So the Anglican hospital is not the only one that's going to be bombed. How many churches have been warned to evacuate? They didn't even warn the, the Greek church. They just bombed it. And today, the proof what, what good, outstanding Jews they are, they gave thousands of people in 25 big, tall apartment buildings a whopping 30 minutes to get their children and grandparents out of the buildings before they blew them up. And they, they leveled them to the ground. Complete total destruction of an entire neighborhood. Rick, you can't build uh, paradise if, uh, you know, those ugly old buildings are there. It's not going to be anything left for the Palestinian people to come back to when this is over. Rick, they're not coming back. That's, that's the plan. I understand that. <laughs> but the average person does not understand what's going on. That the Palestinian people will have nothing when this is over. They had little to start with. There will be absolutely nothing remaining standing with Netanyahu. He's, his name ought to be Netanyahu. Benjamin Netanyahu. Because he's a nutcase. He's a madman. He's Herod the Great. He's on a rampage. I, I, we've never seen anything in my lifetime. We've never seen anything like this. I've never seen anything like this in my lifetime, Doc. I mean, really, seriously, the Middle East is on fire. Right? It is on fire. I've never witnessed anything like this in my 70 years of life on Earth. Uh, the Palestinian Authority uh, President Mahmoud Abbas refused to talk to Joe Biden on the phone Wednesday. This just was reported today in Times of Israel. Abbas refused to hold phone call with Biden during Wednesday's visit. He also refused to meet with him in Jordan. Right. And so did King Abdullah. Right. And, and President Sisi of Egypt. And then we found out that the Saudis were snubbing Blinken, too. So we basically destroyed any kind of hope we have for dialogue with any of these countries, haven't we? We have. And I ask yesterday, what are we getting out of it? As, as Americans... What are we getting out of it? What's the payoff? Where do we benefit as Americans? We're turning entire nations against us. You know, I have to tell people in other countries, please don't judge me by what our government does. I don't support it. I'm not your enemy. I don't want to blow you up. But they're making entire countries hate all of us. Because... The only thing they see coming out of America is bloodshed and destruction and rabbit-like devotion to Israel. And what is the payoff? There is no payoff. No, 
is all for the sake of Zionism, because yes. Zionism controls America. And you will never change this country until you break the back of Zionism. You will never change America. Have all the elections you want. Do all the politicking you want to do. Have all the church meetings you want to hold. You will never change America until you break the back of Zionism. Zionism is what is destroying America. I'd like to get some support out there. I'd like to hear an amen. You know how you can say amen to me? Back me. Give me some support. You got to do something, folks. We got a lot of people that do help us. I'm talking about everybody else that's just sitting there eating popcorn and listening to us. I'm not entertaining you. Yes. This is not entertainment. You know, last night in my hometown where I grew up, Hagerstown, Maryland, a county judge was shot to death in his driveway going home. In his driveway? In his driveway. They found his bleeding body in his driveway. It is dangerous today to do anything that makes people angry. I walk around in my house, Doc, with a handgun in my hand at all times. At all times. I don't know who's coming through the door. I don't know. I don't go from one room to another room without a gun in my hand. Isn't that a sad way to live? And why? Because I speak out against Zionism. And I don't know what fruitcake is going to come barging through my door. And they're out there too. I need some people to back me. Our address is Post Office Box 690069, P.O. Box 690069, Vero Beach, V-E-R-O, Vero Beach, Florida, 32969, P.O. Box 690069, Vero Beach, Florida, 32969. There's a phone number you can call. Don't make an excuse. You can pick up a phone and call 800 576 2116-800-576-2116. Fastest, easiest way is online at truenews.com. Click donate in the upper right corner or click the red heart in the upper left corner and make a generous donation. And another way you can support us is to support our sponsors too. Absolutely. Uh, we are grateful that uh, in recent months we have uh, sponsors that are standing uh, with us. Um, you know, uh, I, I probably shouldn't tell it, but, uh, you know, Genesis Gold, the owner of Genesis Gold, um, and he's Jewish. He's a Jewish Christian. Yes. And he loves us, and we love them, and they treat us well. But they have been... Uh, they have been banned in certain places from advertising because they advertise in True News. Wow. <laughs> they've been told... Seriously? To, they've been told to pack up and go home because they are advertising on True News. Genesis Gold. This is what happens. If you oppose the Zionist beast, they come after you. They'll blow up a hospital. They'll blow up a church. They don't care. There is no morality. The morality is what the Zionists declare to be right for them. That's morality. Yes. What is best for Zionism? 
This is not talking about Jewishness. This is talking about Zionism. Yes. Zionism is a political ideology. It is as dangerous as Nazism, communism, socialism. It's called Zionism. And it's seeking to rule the world. And very few people have the backbone in America to oppose it. Because there is a price to pay. But you know what? In the 1930s, it, it was dangerous to oppose Nazism. Depending on where you lived, it was dangerous to oppose communism. Right. There's always a price to pay for opposing an ism. And the more powerful the ism becomes, the more dangerous it becomes to oppose it. I need people to back true news. Another way you can back us is becoming a member of Faith and Values. Go to our new platform, faithandvalues.com. That's another way to back us. There are multiple ways to support us. Pick one. Um, I, I want to take. Uh, I want to take a short break. I need a drink of water. Uh, let's. Uh, well, we have uh, our latest uh, update from American Reserve. American so. Reserves, a great company that is providing emergency preparedness food. And this uh, TV, this is a brand new TV commercial that uh, has Dr. Robert A. Schuler endorsing American Reserves. We'll be back in about one minute. The disciples asked Jesus about the end of the age. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you aren't troubled. For all this must happen, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, plagues, and earthquakes in many places. I'm Dr. Robert A. Schuler, and I'm on a mission to encourage Christian families to prepare for tough times. That's why I'm endorsing American Reserves. American Reserves can help you build a food storehouse like Joseph in Egypt. American Reserves offers emergency food packages for a month or full year. Buckets of freeze-dried beef and chicken, assorted vegetables and fruits, and powdered eggs are ready for quick delivery. A panic can cause store shelves to be emptied in hours. Be wise. Be ready. Order food at AmericanReserves.com. AmericanReserves.com. World War Three is on right now. I, I've been saying it for two years since February of 2022 when the Russia-Ukraine war started. We were quick to announce this is it. This is World War III. I didn't say I'm going to wait and see. I, I said then in February of 22, this is World War III. We're now uh, coming up on the end of the second war, second year of World War III. Folks, he said, well, I can't, that doesn't seem right. Well, let's think about World War II. If you ask most Americans, when did it start? They would say, well, that's easy, December 7th, 1941. Right. That's not true. It started in 1939. Yes. America got in the war almost three years later. Right. Yeah, you're 39, better. 40, 41. That's three years. Then America got in the war. And then it went 42, 43, 44, 45. Yes. How many years of war? 
We're only in the second year of World War III. And we've got a long way to go. And America hasn't been fully engaged with it yet. Not yet. They need a Pearl Harbor event. They need what, what did what did Roosevelt do to Japan? They put, the Roosevelt administration put sanctions on Japan. Yeah, it's specifically them. about oil. Oil. And then Japan got angry and struck at the United States in Pearl Harbor. And that that was the excuse Roosevelt needed to get into World War II. So there's not a, just with Japan, but then with Germany yes. too. Oh yeah, the whole thing was on at that point. Because Britain was waiting on on the United States to come to to its aid. So there's an event coming for America, a, a Pearl Harbor event. I, I can't stress enough that you need to take advantage of the time that we have right now to prepare. I am going through my own checklist and thinking, where am I low? Because I've been, you know, I... I I stock up and then I deplete it. I start using things that I, I stored up and then I start using it with the intention, well, I'll build it back up. Right. And now I'm looking, I'm thinking, hey, Rick, you better check your inventory on certain items because you've been, you've been consuming it for the past year or two. That's a very good idea, yes. I mean, I don't let stuff just sit for decades and, you know, never use it. I buy things I'm going to use, but I try to keep a constant resupply going. But I, I'm, I'm aware lately I haven't been restocking some things. Well, what about your food supply? Have you enough food? Can you last a year without food? I'll ask the question, can you last a week? Can you last a week? Most families could not. How do we know? Well... If you live in an area that has snow or hurricanes like us, what happens the moment the forecasters say a blizzard is coming? All the bread and plywood <laughs> disappears yes. pretty quick. Yeah, uh, yeah. If, you, if it's a if it's a snow blizzard, all the bread, milk, everything disappears out of the grocery stores here in Florida. As if you're going to survive on bread and milk. Yes, and here in Florida, all the plywood disappears instantly. There are long lines at Home Depot and Lowe's and hardware stores, people buying all the plywood that they can get. Um, But the grocery stores, everything disappears in the grocery stores within hours. Yes. So the average American family can't even go three days without food. What about you? How much food do you have in your house? How many people do you have to feed? What if there's no food? What if the food supply is totally disrupted for 12 months can you make it only you can answer that question american reserves has an answer buy as much as you can while you can buy the food as you can while you can and i've given you i've given you examples of of miracle money Yes, we're getting reports. And we're getting reports, and we're getting checks coming in as offerings with miracle money that God is already providing to the True News family miracle money. How does this work again? Explain how the miracle money works as it relates to being prepared. All right, for this one, if you need money to buy food, 
make a make a covenant with the Lord. Tell the Lord you need money to buy preparedness food, and whatever you whatever it's up to you. You you determine. You tell the Holy Spirit what percentage or what dollar amount of the miracle money you will donate to True News. I'm not going to tell you on this one. I'm not going to suggest it to you. It could be 10%. It could be 50%. It could be $100. It could be 1000 Whatever you say, you make a commitment to God. And then say, Lord, when that miracle money comes, I will give X percent to True News as an offering. And I will take the remainder of the money and buy food. It's already happening for our our audience. We're getting letters. We're getting emails. People are already getting the return on their commitment to the Lord. And they're sending the checks and they're buying the food. If you th- don't don't dismiss it and don't roll your eyes because that's mocking God. Right. That's that's this unbelief. Trust the Lord. He wants to stretch your faith. Don't say, well, Rick, that's silly, and I'm not going to do something like that. Well, don't do it. Don't do it. Go without food. The Lord wants to provide you with food. I want to go through some some, uh, headlines very quickly. Let's go down to number 31. Uh, Reuters. Fury grows in Turkey against Israel. Fresh protest staged. 32 times of Israel. Israel bringing diplomats home from Turkey Yes. after warning its citizens to leave. Well, wait a minute. Turkey is a NATO country. That's right. But a NATO nation, which happens to be Muslim, is turning against Israel. The pressure is on President Erdogan of Turkey. He could be toppled. He could be kicked out of office. The people could turn against him. Right. If he begins siding with Israel because he's in NATO, the people are asking Erdogan, whose side are you on? Are you supporting the Zionists who are killing the Gazans? Whose side are you on? But but Erdogan's getting phone calls from NATO. Yes. You better walk the line. You're in NATO, and the party line says Israel can do anything it wants to do. But you see now, mass protests. Israel had to evacuate their diplomats, warning all Israelis to get out of Turkey. Uh, number 33. This war just keeps getting bigger and bigger, Rick. Georgian authorities begin preparing for nuclear war. We're not talking about the state of Georgia in the United States. This, is, this isn't Atlanta. This is the East German, I mean, East European country, Georgia. The government is beginning to prepare for nuclear war. They see something ahead. It says, uh, well, go ahead, Doc. The nation of Georgia has developed a plan in case of the possible use of nuclear weapons in the region. And the agency writes, Specknick, Georgia, with reference to the head of the State Security Service of Georgia, Georgie Luliashivi. And the Ministry of Health has outlined the distribution of medicines to the population, treatment, including an emergency care scheme, and the allocation of shelters. Although it will become uh, relevant if, God forbid, there is a direct hit. 
Think about that. Georgia is considering a direct hit on its nation. Shelter won't help us in this case. Therefore, we must be smart, pursue a moderate, pragmatic policy both inside and outside the country, he said. Doc, I'm going to repeat it again. I have never seen anything like this in my years on this earth. Never. And I, I'm, I lived through the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis. I um, was a kid, but I, I remember it. I remember it. Uh, I've never seen anything like this. Nations preparing for nuclear war, but the public isn't. The, oh, now, how many of you have forgotten that, what, two weeks ago, the entire country of Russia had a nuclear war civil defense drill? Yes. How many of you forgot about it? We had an alert on our app. Yeah, we got, an, yeah, we got they, a phone they alert. They were hiding in shelters. But we didn't even know what the alert was about. Yes. Everybody in America that got the alert was like, well, that, that just interrupted. I was watching a video on my phone. I just, that just interrupted me. But the Russian people knew we're supposed to go to the underground shelters. It's two weeks ago. See, stuff's happening so fast that the average American can't process it, can't remember it. It's just, they're just, checking out doc they're checking out of reality they're just getting deeper and deeper into virtual reality into videos and games and entertainment and just anything because they can't cope with reality and when they're in the virtual reality they won't know what's going on in the real world but i'm here to tell you we're headed towards nuclear war get your soul ready and get your household ready you might survive it we don't know. We don't know where the destruction is going to be. We don't know how extensive the destruction is going to be. But I would say right now, Doc, based on everything I'm seeing, there is a 95% likelihood of a nuclear war in the near future. I have never said those words ever on this program in 25 years. But all everybody's talking about it. I mean, they're talking about it casually now. They're talking about it casually on CNBC and in the Financial Times and Barron's. Mm-hmm. I mean, when the money uh, people start talking about nuclear war. Ray Dalio yes. yesterday put out a blog about nuclear war, saying it think the world has become extremely dangerous and nuclear, nuclear war looks like a real possibility. And they're trying to figure out, how do I shift my investments when there is a nuclear war? <laughs> Doc, you know, I don't know if you watched... Uh, Joe Biden's speech last night. I watched clips of it today. I watched it. Um, he bragged. He bragged that American jobs are being are secure because we build the weapons. Yes, that's what he said. I saw that clip. That Americans are working because we build the weapons that, that blow up people. That blow up people. And he also said. That the money he's sending to Israel and Ukraine to kill Palestinians and Russians is a good investment. A smart investment. A smart investment. So think about how sick and demented our society our society has become. That we measure the strength of our economy based on how many people we're killing. And our employment is based on how many weapons we build to kill people. 
That's that's the state of the American economy today. And I knew the fix was in when I started hearing all the talking heads today saying, this was Joe Biden's greatest speech. Oh, I know. Oh, Britt Brit Hume is, said it. Yeah, this is, and uh, Glenn Beck said it today, too. This was, this was a, a, a speech to bring America together. It, it might be a, a little bit. Uh, too late, but now he's given I heard the same thing. Bruce Hume on Fox News said yes. the same thing last night. They trotted him out to, to, to give a ringing conservative endorsement of Biden's speech. Hume said this is the greatest speech of the Biden presidency. Dmitry Medvedev, the vice chairman of the Russian National Security Council and probably the next president of Russia. He served one term as president. I, my guess is if Anything happens to Mr. Putin, Mr. Medvedev will move into that position again. Uh, he tweeted out this morning on Telegram what he thought about the speech. Yes. So, Dmitry uh, Medvedev said this, led by the U.S., the world is steadily rolling into a deep abyss. The decisions made clearly point not only to irreversible mental deterioration on Joe Biden's part, but also to the loss of the remaining shreds of conscience. These both significant and minor, are glaring symptoms of the epidemic social disease. He lays out three points here. President Biden has called the money to be spent on other people's death far away from the U.S. a smart investment. It is about getting additional weapons worth tens of billions of dollars for Ukraine and Israel. The Kiev regime has decided to ban the Ukrainian Orthodox Church, thus cutting its Orthodox Christians off the cradle of the Mother Church. And France's interior minister unhesitatingly condemns a football star for his post in support of Palestine. Now, these pieces of news are varied, but all of them speak of accelerated decay of the very fabric of Western society. Investing in unwanted people's death is smart and good. It's beyond words. It's beyond good and evil. And it's not only the old moron's dementia, but the centuries-old philosophy of all their state life. Banning the ancestral church in Malarosiah is dirty politics deeply rooted in cocaine and Satanism. That is, Zelensky is not just a degenerate without kin and family. He is not just a zombie puppet who has forgotten both his own and general history. He is shaking with lust for power. The clown Frankenstein created for the client's amusement, ready not only to surrender his own body to them for carnal pleasures, but also to easily destroy Christianity in his homeland. And third, going beyond the trendy ideological buoys is now literally punishable in the West. It is allowed to express condolences to the Israelis, but not to the Palestinians. There should be no sympathy for them. They are all like terrorists there, so let them die by the thousands. Children, women, elderly are nothing but expendables. And then finally, this is the most chilling part of the statement. The result of such statements is clear. The Intifada will be going on forever. The church will revive, but through the blood and suffering of civil war. And the quantity of the provided weapons will sooner or later leap into quality. The high explosive, cumulative, incendiary, and volume detonating charges will turn into nuclear ones. God have mercy on us. God have mercy. Contact American Reserves, AmericanReserves.com. I want your family to survive. 
I, I want to do everything that I can to make sure you have food to get through this nuclear war. My friends, it's coming. It's coming. Don't tell yourself, oh, they're just puffing and puffing and, and making threats. This isn't going to happen. Oh, no, it's coming. We're rushing into a nuclear nightmare. Look at what he said. This is number 39. Let's go back to what he said. He said that banning the ancestral church is rooted in cocaine and Satanism. And then let's look at what he said about Zelensky. Zelensky is not just a degenerate without kin and family. He is not just a zombie puppet who has forgotten both his own and general history. He is shaking with lust for power. The clown Frankenstein created for the client's amusement ready not only to surrender his own body to them for carnal pleasures but also to easily destroy Christianity in the homeland. Doc, Medvedev just said that American and European NATO globalists are ha- are having sex with Zelensky. Yes. That's what he said. What does he know that we haven't been told? That's exactly what he's saying. Yes. That Zelensky is ready to surrender his own body to them for their carnal pleasures. He called him a, a, a cocaine addict. A, Frank, a clown Frankenstein. A client of Satan. A client of Satan created for the amusement of the Western globalists. And that their plan is to destroy Christianity. See, the Russians know that this is not just a fight over Ukraine. This is a fight over the church. And they're looking at Netanyahu bombing churches in Gaza. And getting away with it. And getting away with it. And Solinsky banning banning churches in Ukraine. And getting away with it. And locking up bishops, which he did many, many months ago. We forget that there's a bishop in Ukraine who's in prison right now. Because nobody nobody talks about it in America. But Zelensky, I mean, but Medvedev and the Russian leaders know that this is taking place. And they, they accurately realize that this is a fight between Christianity and Satanism. And Doc, there's, there's no compromise. You can't have compromise when you realize what you're up against. If it's Satanism, there's, you have to fight with all of your might to the end because you can't you, there's no way you can compromise with it and you, for our audience to fully understand the, the Russian thinking here whether you agree with it or not beside the point but the Russian thinking right now theologically they are fighting the antichrist yes whether you believe it or not is beside the point the Russians believe they're fighting the antichrist they're looking at the west and they say you know what that looks a lot like the Antichrist. Yes. That and so in their mindset, they have a motivation. We have to, you know, fight the Antichrist. The Bible tells us to fight the Antichrist. And something else we learned in the past year is that the Russians interpret the scripture that that the restrainer, 
will be removed. And when the restrainer is removed, the Antichrist will have full power. The Russians believe that the restraining force is Russia. Yes. And they, you got to understand this, folks, they are believing, they are preparing for the total destruction of their country as an act of God. So that the Antichrist will have full control of the world for a short season. Right. And this, uh, the fulfillment Russia. of prophecy. you got to wrap your head around this. The Russian Christians believe that Russia is the restraining force yes. that's holding back the Antichrist and that it will be the nation of Russia that will be removed from the earth to allow Antichrist to have complete, total control of the world. When you think like that, then you're not afraid of death. And so they are prepping their people for a massive showdown with Antichrist. Where they're saying, we're going to have to lay our own lives down. We're going to have to lay our country down at the cross as as a sacrifice to Jesus for his kingdom. In order to save the world. In order to save the world. So for them, it's not just a matter of saving Russia. And they've said this too. And like I said, whether you agree with it or not, the Russians believe this. They said that a world without Russia is not a world worth living in. So if they go down, they're taking everybody with them. Yes. All I can tell you, my friends, get your soul ready and get your household ready. Um, if there's anything in your heart that's offensive to God, deal with it. Get it solved. Make sure your heart is 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 good with the Lord. Can you go to sleep at night in total peace that all is well with you and your maker? If you can't, if there's something bothering you, then you need to get that fixed. If you've if you've If you're a believer but you've never been baptized in water, you need to get that fixed. You need to get it done. You need to find a pastor who will baptize you in in water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you're not saved, dear God, what are you waiting on? I mean, I'm here, Doc. The reason we're here is to tell you what's coming. I'm not looking... this isn't a career to me. I gave up my career to do this. By now, I should be retired from a, a, a long career in media. I should have retired, Doc, years ago if I would have stayed in media just as a career. Right. I had, I had good jobs in the cable industry. I could have been retired by now. I could be out playing golf. This is not a career to me. This is a calling. This is a mission. There are people who are not ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ. They're not ready for Armageddon. They're not ready for the thief that comes in the night. The thief in the night is both Jesus Christ and the day of the Lord. Jesus said that he was the thief in the night, but he also said the day of the Lord is the thief in the night. And really you can't separate You can't separate it. Because when he comes back, he will come back as the thief in the night. But the day of the Lord will come upon the world as the thief in the night. Right. 
If you don't understand these things, get a copy of my book, Final Day. It's 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 at Amazon, Final Day, and the uh, the the second edition paperback is available. The audio version is there, and the ebook version for Kindle is there. Final Day at at Amazon. Don't don't convince yourself. Don't fool yourself into thinking that none of this is going to happen. That this is this is just hype. This this is just politicians making threats. Now I, I've never seen the world on fire like this, and it's intensifying every day. And when the Israelis send the ground troops into Gaza, oh dear God. That's when Hezbollah will come in. That's when Iran will come in. And that's when NATO and the United States will then go against Iran. Lebanon will burn. My friends, the world is on fire. We'll be back in a minute. WCR, Central Tennessee, USA. National Shortwave Radio. You can find true news on frequency 12.160 from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern and on frequency 4.840 from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern. Connect with us on Rumble, Facebook, X, and Getter. Welcome back to True News. Uh, We appreciate... uh, the opportunity to broadcast globally on WWCR, 12 noon to 2 p.m., and then a repeat from 2 to 4 Eastern Time on frequency 12160. And I, uh, I, I bought a new shortwave radio, and I've been checking it out, and the signal is coming in great. Uh, by the way, American Reserves is going to offer a radio very soon. So if you, uh, we've been getting a lot of emails, people saying, what, what type of shortwave radio should I buy? Um, I would say by next week, it will be, it will be on the American Reserves website. So yes. I'll let you know when they put it up there. We found one that you're going to love. Yeah. So. And then um, WWCR rebroadcasts True News in the evening, 10 p.m. to midnight Eastern, and then a repeat, 12 p.m. midnight or 12 a.m. midnight to 2 a.m. And that's on frequency 4840. So daytime, eastern time is 12160. Evening is 4840. Both of the frequencies coming in very good yes. uh, here at my home in Florida. And uh, it's good to be back on shortwave radio. Of course, we are also streaming live 12 to 2 every day on Getter and Rumble, and X, and of course, True News. And Faith and Values. And Faith and Values. People are asking, where are the archives? I find it hard to believe that after we've told them since July that the archives would only be on Faith and Values, we still get emails saying, hey, what happened to the archives? The archives are only available on Faith and Values. You can listen free uh, all two hours at uh, 12 noon to 2 p.m., but you need to be a member of faithandvalues.com to get the uh, video on demand. And um, and, and some people have been asking about a, 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 a downloadable version, and that's been a 
technologically difficult thing for us to do. Not that we don't know how to do it. We do know how to do it. But um, it, it, uh, it allows people to circumvent the platform. Right. And so we're working on that for you. Why do we have a platform? Because we need you to support us. It's just that simple. We need our own platform where we can't be censored. And it costs money to build and operate a platform. They just don't come free. We need people to support us. Really quick, I want to get through this. i got four minutes. Let's see. Uh, number 42, Reuters. Vladimir Putin and Viktor Orban reaffirm Russian-Hungarian ties amid international strains. I'm not going to go into the details, but... They Putin, met one another in China this week. Yes, Putin and Orban. Now, Orban, you know, is the leader of Hungary. Hungary is a member of NATO. Right. Well, this, that photograph right there... Oh, man. That flipped out a lot of people in NATO. And, I mean, they are freaked out and angry and scared. What is going on? We'll, we'll take a look at Radio Free Europe. NATO diplomats discuss growing concern over Hungary's deepening relationship with Russia at their Budapest meeting. So NATO ambassadors met yesterday, October 19, in Budapest as concerns grow over Hungary's relations with Russia following talks between Orban and Putin earlier this week. A U.S. ambassador to Hungary, David Pressman, told the Radio Free Europe that the diplomats have security concerns about the deepening relationship between NATO and a uh, NATO member uh, and Russia. He said, quote, it is worrying that Hungary has decided to contact Putin in this way. We see Hungary as an ally. But at the same time, we also see that Hungary is deepening its relationship with Russia despite its brutal war in Ukraine. Pressman said Washington expects these legitimate security concerns to be taken seriously by the Hungarian government. Well, I'll tell you what Mr. Orban wants to do. He wants to make sure that Hungary does not get nuked. That's right. He's telling Putin, don't aim your nukes at us. Right. We're not your enemy. So I wonder what color the revolution is going to be in Hungary this time. Oh, He's Red, orange, blue. What, what color is the revolution? Because it, right. there's going to be one. Pay attention. Just watch. You see how the globalists work. There'll start to be riots and protests, maybe even assassination temp in Hungary. They, these guys play hardball. You, you, you're not allowed to buck them. You're not allowed to oppose them. Then we turn to Euronews. Not very welcome. Unease spreads in Brussels after Orban-Putin meeting. The Guardian. <laughs> European leaders seethe over Putin-Orban meeting. It's a, it's, they're seething, Greg. Hey, they're mad. Now, when you see headlines at this level, they're furious. They see Viktor Orban as a traitor. And they believe he's flipping sides and going over to the Russian side. They've got the same problem with Erdogan in Turkey. They're not really sure whether Erdogan is in NATO or not. They don't know. And Erdogan's not sure if he's in NATO or not. Depends on the day of the week. Depends on the day of the week. They're trying to take care of their own country, their own people. And it, it's, it, it's expensive and dangerous and a pain in the neck to constantly defend Israel 
in NATO and the United States, which is always bombing and attacking somebody. It just, it just gets old after a while. You're just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to bomb somebody. I don't want to defend them. I don't want to move weapons. I, I don't want to cover up. I don't want to be part of an underground uh, weapon smuggling operation for Israel. That's all this is. That's right. And people are getting fed up with it. Zionism needs to come to an end so that the world can continue living. Well, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, Doc and I are going to have our Morning Manna Bible lesson, which is held every Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. on Faith and Values. We're in the Acts of the Apostles, Chapter 15, talking about Zionism in the early church. You don't want to miss it. Are you concerned about this economic storm and how your IRA and 401k will fare during these turbulent times? Top experts are predicting now is the time to be protecting your assets with physical gold and silver. Find out why Genesis Gold Group is the number one recommended company by your favorite preppers and homestead channels. Receive Genesis Gold Group's free definitive gold guide today or give them a call at 800-200-GOLD. Let's start with a word of prayer then. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead, Doc. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this opportunity to gather with saints from around the world. Lord, that you've drawn us all together here to learn from your word. And we pray that the Holy Spirit would open up the word of God to us and that our hearts would be transformed as the word is being read and as we consider it and we allow the Holy Spirit to brood over the waters of our heart and as we meditate upon the scriptures. Lord, thank you for every soul that's represented here today. We ask you to bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, I'm reading from the modern English version, uh, Acts chapter 15, starting at verse 6. And we're going to go through uh, verse 11, right? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, So uh, beginning of verse 6, the apostles and elders assembled to consider this matter. After much disputing, Peter rose up and said to them, Brothers, you know that some time ago God decided among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, approved of them, giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us, and made no distinction between them and us, and purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why test God by putting a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, So let me get to my notes. So we're picking up um, at verse 6 and... The, the apostles and the elders were gathered together to see about this matter. What was the matter that they would discuss and decide? Well, that's, we're told in verse 5. It is necessary, this is the, the Judaizers speaking, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. That's the... That's the motion on the table. 
that's what the that's what the organization the the assembly of God this is uh, this is what was being debated so the Judaizers rose and made a motion uh, I make a motion that we require all Gentiles to be circumcised and to keep the laws of Moses is there a second that's what was happening here so verse 6 describes a, a pivotal moment in, in the early church history when the apostles and the elders and the assembly, the, most likely the entire church or most of the church of Jerusalem was present in this meeting in, in Jerusalem to, to make a major theological ruling on a contentious dispute regarding the necessity of circumcision for Gentile converts to Christianity. But as I said yesterday, it went beyond just requiring Gentiles to be circumcised. Because if you accepted their reasoning, their argument, then all Christians, Jews and Gentiles, were going to be taken back to the Torah, taken back to the laws of Moses. And the apostles and all Christians forever would be brought under the spiritual supervision of the Sanhedrin. So this this sharp division was caused by men claiming to be Christians who still held to Pharisee-centric Judaism. But after the conversion of Cornelius and his household in Caesarea. The, the Judaizers in the church uh, were losing strength and they were willing to admit that Gentiles could be brought into the church. But they changed the debate. They proceeded to make demands that they first become Jewish proselytes and keep the law of Moses before being baptized into the church. So this was a, a very insidious strategy by Satan to pervert the grace offered by God to all the world by forcing Gentiles to become Torah observant Jews excuse me I'm getting ready to sneeze if the apostles had accepted their demands as I just said a moment ago everybody would have been brought under the authority of the Sanhedrin and to this day we would be under the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem. Those first century Jews who claimed to be Christian based their arguments on Genesis 17 verses 1 through 14, which says that God's covenant with Abraham was ratified by circumcision. Genesis 7:14 says that anybody who refused circumcision was to be cut off from his people. So consequently, those Pharisee Judaizers in the church claimed that salvation was dependent on circumcision of males. And most likely they, they cited Exodus twelve forty eight that says foreigners living in Israel had to be circumcised to participate in Passover. Yes. So the, the apostles, themselves Jews, had to make a decision. Would they keep the Torah observance or eliminate it? Because this was going to apply to them too. Yes. Now, 
The Judaizers are still very active today, especially in charismatic Pentecostal um, Hebrew roots, Messianic, um, Messianic Christian assemblies, and so forth. And I, I quickly searched on Google this morning the phrase Torah observant Christian. Doc, you would be amazed how much comes up in the search. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> so, uh, but you're probably is, be amazed. The, the internet is full of websites for Torah observant Christians. What's happening, my friends, is that the Jews are evangelizing the Christians and converting them to Jews. Yes. Instead of the Christians converting the Jews to Christianity. The Jews are infiltrating the Christian churches, particularly in America. And it's getting into Europe and into South America. They're making inroads in South America and Central America. In a big way. In a big way. This is the battle that's in the church right now. They are changing the gospel. They, they are converting Christians into Torah observant Christians, telling them, yeah, you can be a Christian, but you have to obey the Torah. So um, today, instead of going verse by verse, I, I want to spend some of my time because I, we can teach from this. I, I just took the very first website that came up under my search, Torah Observant Christian. And there was an article by the, uh, the author of the, of the website titled Whole Bible Believer Torah Observant Christian. And I'm going to read just a couple paragraphs from this website. Because I want everybody in Morning Manna, I want you to understand that this is, Acts 15 is happening in real time around us today. The, now this is what the website said. The Torah is the name of the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The word Torah means law, instruction, teaching, word writings, commands. The first five books of the Bible are made up of all the instructions Jehovah God gave to his people, the Israelites. These instructions were given to bless them, benefit them, and guide them in the way to Jehovah. The word observant can mean different things, but in this situation, it is best to de it is best defined as to see or recognize something as beneficial and blessed and set apart by Jehovah, and therefore to keep that thing set apart in one's life and home. Now here's, here's the definition. A Torah observant believer. This woman who runs this website, she's saying this is for Christians. A Torah observant believer therefore is a believer and follower of Yeshua. It believes that the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, have blessed, beneficial, and sacred instructions for life, and therefore they apply those instructions to their life 
in homes as best as they can in this day and culture. It goes on to say, there are only four really obvious differences between most evangelical Christians and Torah-observant believers. Most Torah-observant believers keep Saturday, the Sabbath day, set apart and often worship on this day instead of Sunday. And they try not to work or cause others to work on it. Most Torah-observant believers celebrate the biblical feast for the holidays in Leviticus 23. Most Torah-observant Christians don't eat pork or shellfish or any unclean animal listed in Leviticus 11. Lastly, many Torah-observant believers wear, um, is it pronounced, uh, it's T-Z-I-T. Is it Zitzitz? Zitzit, yes, that's probably the closest. Yeah. They wear zitzits on their clothes Yes, as a way of reminder to walk in the ways of Jehovah. It goes on to say, a Torah observant believer is a person who knows that they are a sinner saved by the gracious love of Yeshua through his sacrificial death. They are a believer who knows that they do not deserve the forgiveness of a savior. They love the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, and soul and choose to walk out their faith in fear and trembling until the Lord and Savior returns. So there's mixture. Right. There's there's religious mixture in this website. They're, They're quoting Christian beliefs, but then inserting Judaism in it. And you notice how they pick and choose the, the aspects of the Torah they want to follow. They're not following all of it. Because oh, if, yes. they were, if they were following all of it, Rick, they wouldn't have a bathroom in their house. <laughs> Why is that, Doc? Because the Bible teaches that you're supposed to build your latrine outside the camp. It's not supposed to be near your tent. And so uh, if you're going to be Torah observant, then you have to build uh, a latrine or outhouse Far away from your house, outside the camp. You can't have it in your house. And so I'm just using that as an example there. But notice that they don't, uh, the Torah observant folks, they don't observe all of the law. Just and the parts they, they like. They add stuff to it. The zitzits aren't, aren't part of the law. That was a tradition that came up later. So, yeah, you're right. It's kind of a pick and choosing of, of what they want to follow. What it is, it's just adding a layer of burden on believers. Uh, you know, uh, it's a layer of works. Yes. Uh, you know, um, Dennis Prager, and he, but when he said this, it all became clear to me that, uh, that Judaism is a works-based religion, not a heart religion. It's a works-based religion. You have to do something to be saved. You have to follow a rule. You have to follow the law. Not that that's why that's that's why Dennis Prager said there's nothing wrong for Jews watching pornography, and he even went so far to say that Jews can watch animated child pornography because. There's no sin unless they actually physically 
carry out sexual activity. Right. He said, we disagree with the teachings of Christianity about your thoughts, your heart. He goes, he said, Judaism is a works-based religion. Therefore, you can watch pornography and not sin. That's Dennis Prager. And all these conservatives and Christians are following Dennis Prager and buying his, his, um, he's got a homeschooling uh, program for children. They're, they're indoctrinating their children with a guy who believes that you can watch child porn. That's how messed up Christians are in this country. What Doc and I are doing, we are contending, we are fighting for the ancient faith. We're stripping away all of the junk that has been piled up in churches and just stripping it away and saying, here is the ancient faith. This is, this is the faith that was once delivered to the apostles. So, from that website about Torah-observant uh, Christians, believers, because they don't, nowhere on that website does it say Christian. Nowhere. When you get around these uh, Judaizers in the church, they never use the word Christ or Jesus or Christian or church. It's all Jewish oriented. So from that website, Doc, it directed me to another website called homeschoolingtorah.com. Really? See where this is going? Yes. So, so the Jews are getting into the homeschooling movement and indoctrinating Christian homeschoolers. So homeschoolingtorah.com is a, a publishing house for religious educational books for homeschooled students. And the company's textbooks teach Christian students to obey the Torah. The founder of this company, Homeschooling Torah, is a former Baptist church preacher. He is now an elder in a Torah-observant fellowship of people who vaguely claim to follow Jesus, but they can't say his name. And the website of the fellowship is called Solel Sabbath Fellowship. And and the website says, at Solel Sabbath Fellowship, it is our purpose to clear the path and make disciples for Yeshua who are obedient to the commands of God and will go out and make more disciples. Make more disciples of what? A, a, a religious mixture of Judaism and Christianity. So the website of this homeschooling publishing house says that their mission is to, quote, grow disciples obedient to the commands of God as given in the Torah, prophets, and apostolic scriptures. I looked at their statement of belief, of beliefs, and it says, we believe that the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, form the foundation of all scriptures. If there appear, now listen to this, Doc. This is their statement of faith. If there appears to be a contradiction between two portions of scripture, 
We use the Torah to define the meaning of words, phrases, and teachings found in other parts of Scripture, meaning the New Testament. So they had uh, tiers of inspiration, huh? Levels of inspiration of Scripture? Apparently so. That's interesting. So this is what's happening out here in, in the evangelical, charismatic, Pentecostal, Messianic church world in America. There is a lot of Judaism going on. Judaizers in the church indoctrinating Christians. You are not saved. You're not a real Christian until you observe the Torah and follow the laws of Moses. And they're getting into the minds of a lot of people. Do you remember a couple chapters ago when when the uh, might have only been a uh, it could have been fourteen when when the uh, the Jews were pursuing Paul and Barnabas and they they uh, they went after the women in the city. Yes. The, and, uh, made indoctrinated the women so that they would weaken the minds of the men and this is what's this is the practice in America um, they're targeting women and the reason they're targeting women is because women are highly influential and powerful they persuade people they change the minds of people they influence people and so both God and Satan are battling out for the minds and hearts of women. If they can get women deceived, they will deceive the husbands and the children. And they will deceive the church as a whole. And, and so that's what I see happening in, in America. The people who are in the forefront of the Judaizers in America, the ones who are accepting it, more often t- tend to be women than men. But the men will go along with it. Because the men will not rise up and be the leaders of their home that they're supposed to be. It's Adam allowing Eve to run the garden. Right. And it was. Satan, Lucifer, speaking in the form of a snake, confused Eve about what God said. And God never spoke to Eve. He spoke to Adam. Right. He gave Adam the instruction before he before he ever made Eve. Yes. So, so Adam either miscommunicated what God told him. He miscommunicated it to Eve, or he didn't teach her at all, or Eve didn't hear it right and got it all messed up in her head, or Eve just flat out said, I don't agree with it, and I'm going to do something different. We don't know. The bottom line is, the reason we're all in this mess, the whole world, the reason the world humankind, mankind was separated from God at the time of creation is because Adam 
did not enforce what God told him, and he allowed Lucifer to put thoughts in his wife's mind. And Adam didn't deal with it. And, and in fact, Adam went along with it. I've often wondered what would have happened if Adam would have rebuked Eve. That, that's above my pay grade. I don't know. Well, Adam has no excuse. He was right there. Yes. No, he has no excuse. He was right there. He, he allowed that whole uh, deal to go down. And so that's right. Um, because he didn't step up and be the leader that he was supposed to be. So it all rested on his shoulders. So husbands, if your wife is going to a messianic Christian fellowship, if your wife is watching these Jewish Christian shows on TV, you need to intervene and and gently correct her and say you're being indoctrinated to believe false ideas. Turn away from it. Um, so, let's go down. I'm going to jump down to uh, verse 7. When there had been much discussion, Peter rose up and said to them, Brothers, you know that a good while ago God made a choice among you that by my mouth the nations should hear the word of the good news and believe. I, I like the way Luke just casually brushes aside the whole debate. He says, when there had been much discussion, that's kind of like yada, yada, yada. We listened, we heard it, we let them say their piece, and then we made a firm decision. But we know the rest of the story from Galatians 2. Paul lays it out. Where he, that's right. He said, you know, here's, here's the way that whole thing went down. <laughs> that's right. He said that certain people infiltrated the church, and he called them false brothers. And that, even, that he he uh, directly went, you know, face to face with James, the uh, half brother of Jesus, Peter, and John, the pillars of the church. Yes, uh, he said, "I set my face against them." Yeah. So yes, after much disputing. <laughs> Because even Peter started to waver. Yeah. So it starts out with Peter. Peter stood up and he made a strong argument for admitting Gentiles into the church without circumcision. And he referred to a precedent that he said happened a long time ago. Uh, some people think maybe 10 years earlier when he was in Caesarea and, and Cornelius and his household was saved. Think about it. this is 10 years later. Right. This this meeting is taking place is a decade later after Caesarea. And verses 7 through 9, he says, Brothers, you know that a good while ago God made a choice among you by my mouth that the nations should hear the word of the good news and believe. Verse 8, God who knows the heart testified about them giving them the Holy Spirit just like he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. 
So Peter came down hard on the doctrine of faith. He let everybody know that the matter was settled in his mind a long time ago. He said that faith in Jesus is more important than Torah observance in defining who is saved. And the church had, and the church had agreed to that, too. So it That's wasn't right. just Peter saying, this is it, this is the law, but we came together on this. We, you right. know, we had this discussion. We've, we've, already, we've already been through all of this. And, and the church was in one accord. Yes. Besides, Peter, Peter said, God proved that the Gentiles were saved by giving his Holy Spirit to them. In other words, he's saying, who do you Judaizers think you are to contradict God? God gave his Holy Spirit to them, and now you're saying that they're not worthy of it. So, as for Peter, he was at peace that faith in Jesus is the principle that God uses to cleanse the hearts of sinners. He said he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. And so the council sided with Peter on the issue of salvation of Gentiles. And it, it didn't issue a statement uh, on the salvation of Jews as well. Perhaps, uh, perhaps they assumed that everybody there knew that salvation came only through faith in Jesus Christ. Both Jews and Gentiles are saved by faith in Christ. There are no separate pathways to salvation. And our faith comes to us from the Holy Spirit. Yes. We don't have faith ourselves. The faith to be saved comes from the Holy Spirit. It is the faith that saves. And then we get to verse 8. And... Um, you know, so this this context, the context of this verse uh, indicates, you know, there had been much debate and discussion before Peter stood up and then he took the leading role. He addressed them as men and brethren, which was a common phrase among Jews when they opened up a meeting. Um, again, he makes his case, you know, a long time ago, this happened. Why are we having this discussion it's already been, it's already been settled. Um, his reference to the word of the gospel, the good news. He's underscoring the importance of faith in Jesus Christ as the only means of salvation. And we then get to. Um, On verse 8, he says, God who knows the hearts testified about them, giving them the Holy Spirit, just like he did to us. And so he's emphasizing that God, God has the ability, the only one who has the ability to discern the innermost thoughts and intentions of people's hearts. And that Nobody in that assembly was qualified to say who was saved and who wasn't saved. And this, this theme, God's knowledge of the heart, it runs throughout the New Testament. 
And it's, it's closely associated with God's divine wisdom and judgment. And, and so Peter, is, he's, he's saying to everybody there, we're not qualified to discern hearts and minds and motives and intentions. This is for God. And if he gives the Holy Spirit to someone, then he has accepted them as saved. Verse 9, he made no distinction between us, cleansing their hearts by faith. That's it. There it is. That's all that needs to be said on this discussion. (laughs) By faith. That's it's right. Faith. It's not by circumcision. It's not by keeping the Sabbath. It's not anything related to the law at all. It's by faith. That's the bottom line. That's right. That should be the end of the argument right there. Yes. That is the end of it. And, but this, this battle continues. Um, you know, verse 10, he says, therefore, why do you tempt God? Yes. You, in other words, you're provoking God. You're, you're, you're insulting God. Because you're trying to put a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. Yes. He's, he's saying, couldn't even keep the law. You couldn't even keep the law. And yet you want to put the law on these Gentiles. See, that's the heart of this thing. Jesus said, you're unable to keep the law. If you break one little piece of it, you broke the whole law. That's right. This is the, this is, Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. This is really important to understand. He did not abolish the law. The law is still there. Well, then you'll say, well, wait a minute, Rick, you're contradicting yourself. You, you, you said the law is still there. Well, then the Judaizers are right. We have to keep the law. No, you're, you're incapable of keeping the law. You, no human can do it. Christ is the only one. He fulfilled the law. When you are in Christ, you have fulfilled all the law. Yes. You are under a new contract, a new covenant. It's a whole new set of, it's, by trying to keep the law under the new covenant, it's like trying to play baseball with a football rule book. Yes. It's two different sets of instructions. Um, I wrestled with this for many, many years in my Christian walk because I had not been given sound instruction and in doctrine. In the various churches that I attended, which were um, a variety of Pentecostal, Charismatic, Southern Baptist, non-denominational. I'm talking about over 40 years of walking with Christ. I was saved in 1978. And none of them were, none of them ever taught me sound doctrine. And I had to learn this on my own. Through the Holy Spirit. Me too. Yes. Yes. When when God called me out of TBN in 1998, and, and then True News started in 1999, started as America's Hope, the radio program. 
the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, much of what you were taught is not true. And, and I'm going to remove it from your heart and mind and teach you truth. I'm still learning it, Doc. Well, me too. I'm, I, I come across things every week and I have to look at it now and go, wait a minute. How do I know that? <laughs> 25 <laughs> years that? later. 25 years later, I'm still picking these cobwebs out of my mind that were put there by churches that didn't know the gospel. So I'm saying this to our, our class members. Don't be frustrated with yourself. This is a long process. All of us have been wrongly indoctrinated at some point in our life. And if you're in morning manna, it's because the Holy Spirit is desiring to remove cobwebs from your mind and heart and reveal the truth of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And I, I can tell you, Doc and I, we are doing everything we can to teach the gospel as purely and simply as we can. Right. And to add nothing to it. Because we're both going to stand in front of God and give an account for what we taught. And that frightens me, quite frankly. It does. It frightens me. Right, because you, you want to be faithful and true to the word of God, and then you've got to ask yourself, all right, I've, I've been taught these things that are inaccurate or downright anti-Bible at times, and you've got to say, Lord, keep my mind pure. Am I looking at this wrong? Is there something I'm missing here? Let your Holy Spirit guide me. So that's why we we do the studies like this is take it verse by verse line upon line precept upon precept this, you know even as we're doing morning manor rick i'm learning new things too along here i'm thinking don't gonna i never thought about that before I, i've never I'm, thought about that aspect of that before doc i'm learning new things as i'm teaching <laughs> that's what there that, are that's days the best way to learn <laughs> there are days that i say things in this class that i've never thought of and i know it's the holy spirit giving me revelation as I'm teaching. There are many times the night before or the hours before we gather for morning manna, the Lord will show me something in the material that we're getting ready to, to teach. And I go, wow, I, I had it wrong. And he'll, he'll just open my mind and heart to see something that I never saw before. And I, I would say a year from now, if we, you know, if we're back in the book of Acts a year from now, we're all going to learn more about the scriptures in the Acts of the Apostles. It'll take us deeper. We'll learn more. We'll see more. So be on that, be on that quest to find truth, to know truth, to understand truth. Be a Berean. Yes. You're just, just looking for the truth. And, and be able to spot counterfeit doctrines. That so, when you hear something in a church or hear a friend or a neighbor or read something online or hear, hear it on radio or see it on TV, and you instantly go, that's not scriptural. That's not biblical. I don't care who the person is. I don't care if they call himself a bishop or an archbishop or apostle. Or prophet. I don't care. 
if it contradicts scripture, don't follow that person. And so in this passage today, just this short little passage right here, and we still have people questioning this within the chat, it makes it very clear that we are not to burden the Gentiles with the law. Right. There's, they are, they're saved by faith. Not counting the Jews. Let's just set that aside for a moment. When we're talking about the Gentiles, just the Gentiles alone, we are not to burden them with the law. Don, Don, I have to disagree with you. We are not obligated to keep the old covenant today. You're totally missing what is being taught here. Jesus ended the old covenant. It's out of commission. The, the old law was crucified with Christ. Yes. If you're going to keep the old covenant, then why don't you go out and slaughter all the men, women, and children uh, in a village that God wants them killed? Because that's what the law says. I mean, look at what's in the Old Testament. Do you think we're supposed to keep all that stuff? You can't pick and choose. You, it's you're in for all of it. This is why this is why Bibi Netanyahu believes he can kill the Palestinians because he's in the Old Testament. Yes, and he says they're Philistines, and I'm going to kill all of them. They're babies too, every one of them. And I, I'm telling you, that's the way these Jews are thinking. And these these Christian Zionists are backing them, saying, "Yes, you're still under the law. Yes. You're Jews, and you're under the yeah. law. Go kill the Philistines. Go, Go kill them. Kill them. Kill their children." This is what happens when you believe this error. Jesus set us free. If you want to keep the Old Testament, then you have to renounce your salvation in Christ and go back to being a Jew. Yes. You got to pick one. You can't walk two paths that are going in different directions. If you want to keep the law, keep the law. Keep it. Keep, but keep all six hundred thirteen aspects of the law. Keep it all. But you're right, Rick. If you want to follow the law, you must renounce Christ. That's right. And then, where do you get your salvation? Because there was no salvation under the law. Yes, it was all by faith. I mean, you go all the way back to Abraham. Abraham's faith was counted to him for what? Righteousness. It was faith that saved Abraham. It was faith that saved Jacob. It was faith. You go down through all uh, Hebrews 11. It By faith. So it's the faith that we have in the promises of God that count to us for righteousness. And for us, in the New Covenant, it's our faith in Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of all promises, that counts as our righteousness. It's not even our righteousness. It's Christ's righteousness in us. But it's by faith alone. It's not by keeping the law. It's not by keeping a rule book. It's not any of these things. It's not by getting a piece of your flesh cut off. It's by faith. And today it's by faith in Christ Jesus. I'm sorry, that got me excited, Rick. (laughs) I think Rick might have froze up there. Maybe I said too much, too fast there. Um, 
All right. <laughs> we'll see if Rick can uh, join us back up here real quick. He might be having some internet issues there. Maybe I pushed too much fire through the wire there momentarily. So, but it's by faith alone, folks. Faith alone. The uh, when Peter was addressing the assembly there in Jerusalem, he said, "Look, the Gentiles were saved by faith in Christ Jesus." And how do we know that they were saved by faith? Because they received the Holy Spirit just like we received it. And they didn't have to be circumcised first or follow the law first or do anything first. They just had to believe. So I see uh, Rick's uh, icon there. I'm hoping that maybe he can uh, join back up here with us. So, all right. Well... Uh, so uh, we're kind of at the end of our session anyway, but uh, we do want to do uh, the Lord's Supper. And uh, so I want to uh, uh, take care of that right now and everything. So if you've got your elements of communion with you, then uh, I want you right now to uh, uh, get them ready. Because what we're going to do is we're going to ask the Lord, first of all, to examine our hearts and to uh, you know consider us and consider where we're at in Him. Um, the scriptures teach that when we participate in the Lord's Supper, when we uh, participate in Holy Communion, we need to come before the Lord with a pure heart. This isn't just a casual observance of things. This is we're remembering the sacrificial Christ that Christ made for us on the cross. Every time we participate in this, He offered His body, He offered His blood for us, and so let's don't take this casually. This is an opportunity for you to reset things with God, to make sure there's nothing standing between you and your Father, anything that might cause a rift between you and the family. I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would let the Lord search your heart. So let's pray that prayer right now, asking the Lord to search our hearts, and then we'll pray for the elements of communion. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you right now and ask you, Lord, If you, in your great mercy, would examine us, that you would look at our hearts right now, Lord. And Lord, if there are things that stand between us and you, that you would bring it to our forefront and that we would confess it before you, that we would acknowledge it, and also acknowledge that we need your great salvation through your son, Jesus Christ, to cover all of our sins. And so, Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, we confess our sins, we confess those things that Uh, create stumbling blocks for others we uh, ask you lord forgive us of those times where we've acted in haste uh, getting ahead of the word of god we ask you lord to forgive us those times where we've let anger and jealousy and pride and other human emotions take the lead instead of letting the holy spirit take the lead and so lord in the name of jesus father in the name of jesus i pray right now please forgive us please forgive us of those things that cause us to be separated from you. Lord, uh, you sent your son Jesus to reconcile mankind to you. And so, Lord, we ask for that reconciliation. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, if you have the elements of communion there with you, then I uh, ask that you just set them before you right now. We're going to pray a prayer blessing over these elements, the uh, bread and the fruit of the vine, and just uh, ask the Lord to bless it. And uh, we do this on a regular basis because Jesus himself said we need to do this often. And that's why we do this on a weekly basis, that we do this often. Why? 
that we may remember him. We get so busy with life sometimes that we forget God and forget what Jesus did for us. But this brings us back to the very basics of what he did for us. And so pray with me for uh, the blessing over the elements of the Lord's Supper. Almighty God, in your tender mercy, you gave your only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to suffer death upon the cross for our redemption. He offered himself and made once for all time a perfect and sufficient sacrifice for the sin of the whole world. He instituted this remembrance of his passion and death, which he commanded us to continue until he comes again. And so, Father, we ask you to bless and sanctify with your word and Holy Spirit these gifts of bread and wine that we may partake of his most blessed body and blood. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed once for all upon the cross. And if you would repeat after me, therefore, let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. On the night that he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is given for now you, preserve your body and soul to everlasting life. This is the bread of heaven. Take and eat in remembrance that Christ died for you. After supper, Jesus took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Jesus Christ, which is shed for you, preserve your body and soul to everlasting life. Drink the cup of salvation in remembrance of Christ's blood, which shed for you, and be thankful. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world, and blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This sacrament is the gift of God for the people of God. Feed on him by faith with thanksgiving that Christ died for you. God bless you for joining us today for today's morning manna. Remember, we get together every weekday morning at 8 a.m., Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. Eastern, and we invite you to be here every weekday morning. Today, we uh, had about 430, I think, uh, with us at one point. And so, thank you for joining us, uh, taking an hour out of your day to be with us as we gather with people from uh, dozens of countries around the world. And we're just so blessed to have you here to think that that many people would get together for a one-hour Bible study each and every weekday morning. Thank you so much. Join us every weekday morning for Morning Man. On behalf of Rick Wiles, on God, uh, I'm Dr. Burkhart. God bless you. Have a great day in Jesus. Hey, welcome back. Final two minutes of today's True News. Uh, Doc, it's, uh, it is a pleasure. It's an honor to have Holy Communion with brothers and sisters all over the world. Yes. To do it in real time. Yes. And yet we're each in separate countries. It's, yes, a, it's, it's amazing. Only through 
the modern technology that we have. And again, encourage people to become members of Faith and Values. You can link up and connect with thousands of True News supporters who are already enrolled at Faith and Values. And we're seeking to expand it throughout 2024 with more podcasts, um, more neighborhoods. Doc is doing his own show every day at 4 p.m. Eastern called Ask Doc. And it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. If you have some um, theological, spiritual questions, or if you just want to know his recipe for spaghetti sauce, you can ask Doc. (laughs) I've got a good one. Yeah, so um, that's another show that's out there every day, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith and Values. So we are looking for anointed talent to join Faith and Values in 2024 and host uh, daily content on this platform. But you need to be anointed. You need to be called. You got to have something worth listening to. Right. Uh, but if you're interested, get in touch with us and tell us your concept for a daily program. I encourage you to be still, be quiet over the weekend. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Set aside time to be with Him. Find a church that you can go to and worship the Lord. And uh, just make the best use of the time. We will be back here on Monday morning. God bless. We'll see you then. God bless you. WWCR, Nashville, Tennessee, USA. Radio. You can find True News on frequency 12.160 from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern and on frequency 4.840 from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern. Connect with us on Rumble, Facebook, X, and Getter. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.